Right. It's like <laughs> we don't even teach that way. So why why are we judging this way? You know? Right. Uh, so it was a test for myself, and then I have students. Um, I would close the camera and say, "Okay, I want you to tell me what type of, you know, if I'm actually using cole here, right?" You know, I, so then I would, uh, oh, "You're using cole, uh, excellent." Yeah. Good, right. So. That's a, like but it. yeah, because I and then uh, sometimes you know the students would just always be dependent on on the teacher approval. Like if mm -hmm. you're doing scale, and then you're. Right. so that's cool and it actually kind of gives students ownership by the way we're rolling because this is gold um, oh okay good, good, good. <laughs> but it gives uh it gives students ownership if, if you turn the camera off mm -hmm. and they and you're going purely from sound then they have to solve the problem exactly yeah they, they have to that's really interesting. I think I'm going to use that. But since we're rolling, uh, let's oh, well. back it up a little bit. <laughs> but if you're like, if you're like our glorious, our our wonderful, glorious, magnificent, because I know she's going to be on your podcast soon, yeah. Bettina, our teacher, Bettina. Shout out to and, Bettina. Uh, and and you start doing something wrong, and then you stop and you look at her, and she's, <laughs> hmm, yeah. that's not a good. <laughs> no, she's nodding. Excellent, excellent, <laughs> excellent job. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's uh, it was very uh, fright inducing it's back okay. in the day, man. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> so here we are. So, uh, welcome to Sounding Point Podcast. Uh, this is our third illustrious guest on the show. I'd like to welcome James Kirksey. And he is a compatriot of mine from San Francisco Conservatory of Music. He was a studio mate, studio mate of mine in Bettina Musumeli's studio, who we were just talking about. And um, James is a rare soul who plays at a, <laughs> in many ways, but plays at a professional level on both violin and piano. So he went to SFCM, we were in, Bettina's studio together as violinists and he after graduating actually worked as an accompanist at San Francisco Conservatory uh, for several years and he also is a conductor and active conducting uh, professionally all around the Bay Area so thank you for joining me James. But yeah thank you for, for the answer and I was just wondering I was thinking what year did you graduate? 2016. Okay, it's so you spent two years or three years with Bettina. Yeah, that's right, three years. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. it was probably my last year. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, now yeah. I'm now. Yeah, I always. Uh, I think we do this every time too. <laughs> I should write down the dates. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you graduated 2014, right? Or two or 13. Um, because I might have been coming I in think, when you were going out. I think 2013 I graduated. 13. Okay, so because, uh, I was taking yeah. lessons with Patina, but I hadn't officially switched to a studio yet. Right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because Axel, I was studying with Axel Strauss, and he was just leaving that year. Um, right. Axel, yeah. yeah. Well, just 
whenever deflator mouse was. I think I think deflator mouse was our. Um, I feel like that's when I first got to know you. I, right, I think I, so. I think um, I remember coming to school, and I said something like, "I'll see you at rehearsal," and you're like, "That, that was at 11 or something," and I was like, <laughs> "And you're like, dude, you should should have seen your face. Relax." <laughs> It's at two, relax. <laughs> yeah, it would be at those odd hours. Yeah, two o'clock. <laughs> yeah. One of my shining moments at the conservatory was uh, with New Music Ensemble under the direction of Nicole Paymont. And I was still so brand new. I guess from a week of partying, um, I showed up on a Friday at 12 o'clock. I thought the concert was Friday at 12 o'clock <laughs> and I showed up running in the recital in the concert hall with the tuxedo and there was nobody there <laughs> and then I opened the door exiting the concert hall and I run into Nicole oh hi James hi oh you look nice thank you I have a concert <laughs> with oh. you <laughs> no, I, I made up some <laughs> local group uh, <laughs> and some some <laughs> location. Uh, and it was actually like a week later on a Saturday. I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> man. Jeez. Hey. <laughs> I showed up in a tuxedo. It was like hot. Man. Why? Um, so those uh, are good I, times. I have to say, I definitely knew some people who uh, who reversed the order of those events where they showed up too late so <laughs> so <laughs> i think you came away with the uh with the win there Sur surprising is that my thing so we uh ended up collaborating a lot together we mm -hmm. played um several recitals together and covered some great repertoire we did strauss sonata wc schumann all sorts of things mm. that's right did frank Frank, yes, I was about to mention Frank. Uh, mini Tchaikovsky. Yes, Tchaikovsky Concerto. Uh, I think we did uh, Debussy. Yes, Debussy. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Um, some Manuel Defaya. Right. Defaya. Defaya. Uh, <clears throat> we did Who by Zephyr. <laughs> that was that one we did. That was the last one we did. Remember that that show piece that we had to do like seven? Oh, that was like, <laughs> God, that was horrible. <laughs> some, <laughs> some pieces you just shouldn't perform. Yeah, they're yeah. not. They're not. <laughs> that's the reason why I don't perform Bach. <laughs> or Mozart, he said something. Hyphen. <laughs> that's right. Hyphen did uh, not perform. Well, you said that about Mozart, right? Mozart, yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't um, perform much of it. I think he did he did the Hafner. He did the Chrysler arrangement of the Hafner, Hafner Rondo. Right. Um, yeah. Not too much other than But not 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 the concertos. But I've never heard. I think there is like a live recording of him playing. Um yeah, I mean we should also give yeah, some the audience come back. <laughs> this is gonna be a mess, but it's okay. Um some of those, those live performances. Yeah. Um <laughs> The USAO. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I think it was like um, so. So James and I are both very uh, 
<laughs> for the audience, James and I are, are big fans of Yasha Heifetz. And in general, we, one of the things we connected on early was sort of uh, um, the golden age of violin playing and mm. really enjoying sort of those older uh, recordings. So um, yeah, we I think there was a recording of Heifetz playing. I think there's actually a recording of him on four and five, I heard one time. Um, and it's with, it's like at the Hollywood Bowl on the radio, oh. or one of those ones, you know? Right. I'm just imagining these war-torn soldiers. He's playing at Oh, nice, nice. What? Mozart four. Oh. <laughs> yeah. My, my arm's blown off. I don't know. What is this? Who's is this? <laughs> Some of those invested soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? That guy, Franco? Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy who does the uh, the Mozart three cadenza. That's the only thing anyone's ever heard of. Yeah. That's ever. <laughs> <laughs> is this Franco? Or, uh, is this. Uh... Just a, uh, uh, I was about to say Joseph Gingle, but um, Joseph Joachim. Yeah, Joachim. I don't, I don't know if he has one or not. I, oh, he does. He does. He has Francis Scotty. Well, crap. Heifetz actually has cadenzas. Yeah. So it just might have been his. It's so yeah. I, it might have been. I mean, I don't yeah. think it was a standard part of his repertoire, but. Uh, right. I wouldn't be surprised if he did his own cadenza for it. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But so, so we uh, got to know each other back in in music school and uh, did a lot of performances together. We actually performed at both so Coricelli's house. It was the last time we got to see him. So rest in peace, Bozo. Yeah. Glad you got to meet him. Meet him too. That was a great performance too, and a great. It was a great venue. Great. Uh, Everything kind of just, I often think about that, that performance. And a lot of times with performances, it's not just the music or the, or the collaboration or, or the ovation or anything, but it's also the atmosphere. Yeah. Which plays a big role in it. And I think um, just because he built that, that, that property. Right. And, yep. and um, you know, the stage, just the, how it went to the outside and you know, the people and the weather. It just played a good, good addition to what we were doing. Yeah, I, um, I did a podcast, my second episode, um, talking about both. So, <clears throat> so that, um, not to recap that, but Bozo was a teacher, former teacher of mine, and he was not only a fantastic pianist and music educator, but he kind of was a uh, very, uh, well, he's a sculptor. He's, he's works with his hands. He loves right, yeah. and stuff. So, so early on back in this, I think in the seventies, he, um, he basically in Morro Bay, he designed his own house and built it. He'd never done it before, never done it since, but architects still like come up from around to just, look at it and observe it because he just had this incredible instinctive mm. way of design and he made this concert hall in the middle of his house it was basically a double his, his teaching studio which opens out into oh, yeah. a beautiful outdoor um, garden area where you can put a bunch of seating 
and um, and all sorts of performances take place there all the time. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that was the last place. Um, or I mean, that that was uh, one of the one of the finest recitals we got mm-hmm. to do. Playing Barber <laughs> Concerto. Barber Concerto. Ah, that's right, Barber. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah, I, for some reason I thought Schumann was on there. Yeah, I think that that was later that year. We did right. But yeah, so that was a uh, that was a great performance. I think it'd be interesting because not many people I've met, so really not really any other people I've met, can play uh, violin and piano at a professional level. So and that there's a lot that must have. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a perfect opportunity to talk kind of about your mentors and how you kind of what your upbringing was musically. So. Um, how did you get started playing both instruments? Well, you know, it all started in um, 1868. <laughs> well, it did, <laughs> if you think about it. Um, emancipated, <laughs> that's how. Uh, Whew. Take that government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, well, so my mom, my mom, was the biggest inspiration for me. She she played the piano. She was a pianist, um, and uh, she often you know talked about her her you know former goals and wanting to not necessarily be a concert pianist, but I'm I'm quite sure she she wanted to you know have that type of life. Um, or just that, you know, that type of aspiration. Um, and from the earliest age that I can remember, I, I was just playing piano. Um, then the violin came a little bit soon after when I was seven. I started piano when I was three. Uh, my mom was my first teacher. Um, and, uh, you know, looking back at it, I think, well, she would tell me, you know, she was born in the 50s, 1950, and in the South. So there wasn't, you could aspire to be anything you want, but I think <clears throat> through the institutional and systematic thought process uh, during that time, you know, it was kind of walled, you know, like, okay, well, I can be a church pianist or I can be a, 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 an accompanist at some local college <clears throat> versus somebody on the other side. Like, oh, yeah, I can be the next Van Cliburn as soon, uh, as, soon as he comes back over from uh, Russia. You know, I, th- I think that happened in the 50s. Maybe I think it was the 60s, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same difference. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same black and white. Seventies, uh, uh, very defined. <laughs> I could tell the seventies, but fifties and sixties, I'm I'm lost. She started me on piano, and uh, my older my oldest sister was actually the violinist in the family. She uh, was taking lessons from a um, uh, a refugee. Uh, from Russia by way of Armenia. Um, and uh, she was she was good. 
you know, I often kid with her now. I'm like, uh, she was she was fairly decent, you know, and and she did the right thing was to quit the violin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, she she was um, another big part. But I think the biggest uh, inspiration for violin was Isaac Chroma. And that was the recording. It was Isaac Froman encores, and uh, he's wearing a red turtleneck. I know um, the album. I yeah, know. with with the glasses. And that, those are old old school Isaac, and uh, and it was just seeing that as a kid on the bed, seeing it on the dressers, you know, seeing the CD cover cracked, um, holding up one part of the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> opening the CD and, and uh, opening the case and where's the CD? <laughs> Did we throw it away with the boombox we just threw away? or <laughs> <laughs> Wedged in between a, a Motown CD. Um, so yeah, that it, was my... It, I sometimes think back with like some nostalgia, like, man, I remember when CD, CDs were awesome. But you know what, oh, actually? Nuisance. <laughs> we uh, we uh, don't remember... How annoying they Because I remember getting that CD scratched, dude. It was it was scratched, and there was a period in in history where Radio Shack, Circuit City, all of the defunct uh, electronic stores would sell these CD cleaning kits. <laughs> Spray it, put it in here, yeah. let it dry, and spin it out, and and you would see this weird waxy film. <laughs> and would it play? It would play a couple of times, and then it would be back to scratch. So wow. um, that CD went through hell. God. But uh, just the, just his selections on that CD um, was a big driving force. It was, you know, from Chrysler to Rachmaninoff uh, to Wienowski, and just and that was kind of like my my first CD that I could listen to privately by myself without any worries without anybody you know saying turn that radio off um and that was a goal of mine i told myself i'm gonna play every every piece on this cd 14 pieces um there's one that i still <laughs> which one? Uh, oh dude it's the um it, it's forgot really the name of it. it it's the paganini sonata number 12 in e minor oh that's the um it's the uh yeah, da -dee, da -dee, da -dee. yeah that one <laughs> yeah. yep i'm yep. not the pianist so right <laughs> but so. that's the that's the exact part where i said you know what I think this is uh, I think this is good. I think this is a good stopping point. Yeah. <laughs> now let me move on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I did I did even some of this in my well only did the Tartini um, and my graduate recital. Those are some those are some wonderful times. But yeah. <clears throat> I remember the uh, so that was my that was my inspiration. My mom uh, quickly kind of sent me to another local teacher. Um, she was a pianist at, at one of the churches we, we attended. Um, and uh, she was a, a nice teacher. I think 
looking back, she made sure that I, I was able to continue the love I had on it. And in fact, it was the first time I had ever seen somebody with two pianos in their house, you know, one in the living room, the other one in the garage turned studio. Mm -hmm. And I was, wow, oh my goodness, whoa. Uh, and then by way of my sister's teacher, violin teacher, who became my violin teacher, um, he spoke of his aunt, <clears throat> who also immigrated uh, to the U.S. Um, during the late 80s, Nelly Asaturian. And that's where it started. They lived... Um, maybe less than a quarter of a mile from each other. So Wednesdays and Fridays, I would go to Nelly, then walk down the street, down the block to Karan's house. And uh, yeah, and hmm. then on Friday, start the violin lesson, go back to her house. To so you had Janelle. two lessons on each a week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and my mom was a, a strict believer in whatever it is you want to do, make sure you do it to the fullest. Like, no, don't, don't just play around, you know, even, even like I tell students now, you know, they say, oh yeah, you know, I play soccer. I said, well, how many years have you been playing soccer? Uh, for eight years. How many years have you been playing violin? Eight months. Uh, okay, cool. So, well, you know, let's continue and stuff. But, but, I, I never try to push a violinist student to be a violinist. I push them to have fun and to understand that there's multiple arenas you can be at within whatever you want to do. Because um, if you're a soccer player, Google the top soccer players of the day, maybe of yesterday, uh, you know, the golden era. Of soccer <laughs> if, if there study is, but... how they do it and and this will let you know if you really if you're really in love with it or if you're really salivating over it, you can't sleep you know that type of that type of uh love and then go all in i mean really go all in I, I go to the local matches go to the nationals the, the the world cup or whatnot you know try try your best to at least i, I imagine those tickets are expensive but um but especially nowadays with youtube uh and you and i both remember a, a time before youtube um, oh, yeah. and that was a time youtube was the metropolitan library uh, it was the worst place ever yeah youtube was uh that was a wild the wild west days you would get some great concerts on there i, I remember seeing some what did i see i think i um I was excited because you could see this concert of, of Boris Berezovsky, the pianist, and mm. who, I, who I only know, knew about because he was, uh, he collaborated with, with, with Vadim Repin, the violinist, oh, yeah. I, I really liked. Um, and there was just this random Boris Berezovsky concert on YouTube. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, get to see this. That's... But you, you couldn't see, <laughs> that was me. But <laughs> you couldn't see Heifetz. You couldn't see like the great. Right. Yeah. This is way before, modern. way before the, uh, you know, the, the, I guess, private upload. Yeah. Um, you know, user upload. That's what I mean. 
of, of YouTube. Um, so that I wanted to um, <clears throat> dive into that a little bit because I think, well, there's two things that I think that are really interesting. One is that you had, I think we had a similar experience. I would, I had a certain rotation of like CDs mm -hmm. I would listen to and I would put it on at night. I would go to sleep. Oh. And I had, a, I would listen to them every day. And you talk Perlman was among those ones. Yasha Heifetz. I just had a certain selection. And there was, there was a compilation album with a lot of these golden age violinists. And oh. I, um, that was called Masters of the Bow. Oh. That, was my, that was my first CD, Masters of the Bow. <laughs> and um, it was just interesting because I, from a very early time, in my training, I got that bug. I got that drive from the music. It's like mm -hmm. I loved listening to the music so much that I think it was similar to you. It's like I heard Perlman playing Introduction Rondo Capriccioso. Oh, yeah. And I just was like, I need to do that. I need to play that. And um, I. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's definitely sets professional level musicians apart from maybe people who take lessons for enrichment is is just finding music that gets them that much you know right it, it makes the it, it hooks you it hooks you and you know um it's funny you mentioned <clears throat> excuse me it's funny you mentioned the the um, rotation of cds one would listen to and I definitely had that. I now, you know, I didn't. Perlman was the only violinist, and I used to be afraid to say this, but now I'm. Well, hell, shit, I got you know three degrees, and so you know I don't care anymore. <laughs> I got a name. Um, crap, is this for students? Uh, it's it's for everyone. Oh well. <laughs> Well, leave it in, leave it in. <laughs> yeah. Chris Cuomo does it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my dog. I'm, I'm going to get that brother elected. Yeah. I, I, he doesn't want to be, but <laughs> no, you will serve. No. Um, <laughs> take that off now. Okay. But um, no, okay. Getting back to his point. I, I, so Perlman was the only violinist I knew for at least 10 years. And I, I remember telling that to pretty much all my teachers, uh, including Bettina. And Bettina did the same expression you did. Oh, <laughs> hmm, that's Oklahoma. Well, <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> Some reason that was the only violinist we could afford, <laughs> and he would he would come out of there. He would come to Oklahoma once every four years, like I think, or five. He really would, and and um, even on the radio, when I would listen to the local classical station, I, I guess fate had it to where I would tune in right when a violin piece was playing, and fate would also add to that, like, oh, guess who's playing? Perlman. Like, he, he must be the great, it, this is it this is it there, there's nobody else there's this is the only violinist 
and you have to so, have one it, that's a good one to have right yeah yeah but i mean joe he was the only well i didn't know anybody else existed yeah i didn't know any of the other ones not even his closest friend who <laughs> pinky <laughs> who was this guy who's this guy coming into my life right now and i was scared <laughs> but with with those cds i also had something else other than classical i had um <laughs> a cd i would listen to at night and this was kind of years later into my training so maybe when i was 10 or 11 but it was a cd that i found at, at a uh, what a place in oklahoma was called music warehouse <laughs> very generic and it costs maybe like a buck 25 <laughs> like the third time on clearance because <laughs> nobody wanted it there's a but new, I, there's a new sticker on the CD for each time, each new time it's on clearance. The clearance sticker just gets lower and lower. <laughs> uh, it really was. <laughs> um, <laughs> they drafted this whole cutout <laughs> of this guy, like from <laughs> to promote it, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> but i really got this cd it was it was it's called keys to imagination by yanni and i i got it simply because of the the art on the cover i was like whoa man this is wow this is like i had no idea what i was in store for and i turned it on and then i was like oh my goodness and i would listen to this my mom would she was a fan of Yanni, more more a fan because of his mustache and thought he was, you know, 90s gorgeous, uh, <laughs> long flowing Greek like hair. Um, and so my mom would tell me, you know what, listen to the recording and do an experiment for me. Uh, I want you to listen to it with these earphones and um, listen to it at night while you're staring up in the skies. So I would do that. And, and it was so, you know, it was new age contemporary uh, music. So a lot of these, you know, things started to pop into my head and, and like, oh, so I really think that that helped my imagination side of it. And that was, I was telling a student once is that you do, we can't manufacture articles like phrasing and and uh, musicianship and and the difference. Why does why does this person slide and the other person doesn't? Or why does uh, why do we hold this note for such a long time and and at the very end increase the energy of it? There's there's no. You know, I mean, you're you're almost asking to see the first atom to really try to understand why one does it. You know, and um, certain people do it great or good, and and I think it's because we have a different context of imagination, where it's not just imaginative, but it's possible, and if it's not possible 
damn it, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make it darn near possible. We're gonna make it as close to you know real and tangible hmm. as we can get it. And that's that living on the edge of your seat type of moment in music. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that that's where the sensation of you know, after that long scale delayo, that's where that that's why we feel that way. Like, oh, 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 <laughs> oh he's not done yet. So you yeah. you you haven't even you know inhaled a good uh, he's still going. He's still going until a uh, right and you know um and then the other CD, somebody like Michael Jackson. Or James Brown and uh, all, all of those things kind of helped. I, I like the performance aspect of both of those guys, Michael, Michael and James uh, Brown, because they were, you know, they were exciting to see. Uh, and by this point, the only performances I had ever gone to was our, our studio recitals. At, at, a, at a local Baptist church on a Saturday at 11 a.m. And uh, stay, stay to the last person because uh, we'll be giving away a CeCe's pizza gift card. Hey, that's pretty good. Man, CeCe's, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, <oof>. <laughs> <laughs> Darn damn dessert pizza. God. <laughs> with, a, with a pepperoni that fell from the Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> Mostly dessert pizza. <laughs> Um, but that was, you know, it was, it was, uh, I'm thankful for, and I'm very thankful for the upbringing I had. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I know a lot of my colleagues, um, had different experiences from New York to Boston to, so they, they had, even around here, they had amounts of exposure. They had multiple orchestras to go to multiple, uh, music performance avenues and, um, you know, just just a wide variety of things to get hooked on. But versus a place like Oklahoma, who did I have to give it to them? They they actually did try their best. But you know, if when the people are lost, as the good book says, uh, <laughs> it's it's hard. It's it's very hard to commit. It's very hard to secure that hook. So. Um, that's interesting. Those were my those were my introductions to classical music and the introductions to the world of performance. And I didn't want to do the moonwalk on the violin. I didn't want to do that. Um, uh, but I wanted to try my very best to do a phrase and 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 make a you know make a musical uh judgment so that my audience can feel what michael jackson's audience might feel that or or something you know i'm not imagining my sister (laughs) (laughs) over some thirds Uh, (laughs) when those tents come out man that's when the women lose it dude yeah man 
You're getting phone numbers then. <laughs> yeah, sure. Paganini knew, man. Paganini knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <A jerk. laughs> I think he was. But um, yeah. So I, that was an excellent, excellent thing you brought up uh, the yeah. rotation. I, that, I, that was, no, I. What you said about. Um, because who who introduced you to to other stuff than Perlman? Well, okay, like the older school, right? Uh, you know, the younger generation. So I I definitely the younger generation, yeah. Mister Geyser. <laughs> who introduced you to Mister Geyser? If, if James and I ever have a weird accent, it's usually because we're quoting Misha Elman. Oh which, boy, yeah. <laughs> who is in one of our favorite documentaries, The Art of the Violin? Look yeah. it up. But um, it's on Amazon. <laughs> Go ahead. You said it's not on Amazon, right? It is. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, I mean, not 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 Prime. You have to. Pay right. It. Although yeah. I have a bookmarked website where, <laughs> if you can stand the ads, <laughs> <laughs> one of those. <laughs> oh boy. Mandarin yeah. subtitles. Oh, um, who taught you or or? Or, or oh, did yeah. anybody teach you about the old? Oh yeah. Or, or was it a self-discovery? I definitely credit my dad with hmm. um, helping me. I mean, my dad, he it's funny. He has kind of like an obsessive, um, in a good way. He has like, or, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> in mostly good ways. He has like an, an ability to obsess and learn everything about a given subject. So hmm. when I, um, when I got into violin and I really started enjoying it he started sort of looking like researching who are all the best violinists what's going on so he bought me a lot of my original cds he's how i found out about yasha heifetz and and perlman and um Veng maxim vengerov was a huge favorite of mine growing up um and also i this is funny this is i feel like um this is this is a subject we're coming back to several times in this conversation but the fact of scarcity of information i think contributed a lot to my interest i mean i so i grew up in san luis obispo again this was sure there was information online i remember but um you know you had napster and you had things like that if you wanted to download music for free and stuff i didn't know how to do that and i was also kind of scared of it because you know you could get viruses on your computer from downloading free music so i just didn't right. even try to do that i would if i wanted to hear a new piece of music that i learned about in um art of the violin or something i would go onto amazon and listen to the one minute free sample but there was oh gosh yeah yeah or the 30 second <laughs> however long it was but then i would be and i every once in a while i would ask my parents to get me a cd if i really wanted it but they weren't, you know, they didn't buy me a ton of CDs and I was voracious. I wanted to listen to the whole classical repertoire and I couldn't ask them for 20, 30, 40 CDs. So, so I ended up finding creative ways of, you know, I would listen to, I would buy, I would, I would um, find scores. It was way easier to find free sheet music online. I would, I had a music notation software that I would enter. I remember I did this with Paganini Violin Concerto because I didn't have a, a recording of it yet. I entered in, my, there was the sheet music at a music store. Um, 
we bought it, I entered in the music or the first movement, note for note, in the violin part and the piano part into this music notation software just so I could hear it play back and like the horrible MIDI sound. Like I was crazy. <laughs> but I think a lot of that had to do with almost feeling like um, I didn't have a ton of access. And, and I, I brought up in my, um, I brought up in my, um, uh, one of my other podcasts, or sort of uh, Bozzo Corcelli and the um, San Luis Obispo Youth Symphony and how valuable of a, of a mm. that was for me as a kid because I yeah. loved this. I, I quickly got into this music. I loved it so much. And that was really my only outlet for the longest time. You know, yeah. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have this organization that was helping me do it and and great teachers and, and mentors who kind of helped me along the way. So, um, yeah, and, and it's funny looking back now you can now you can go on YouTube and look at any great performance, really, you know, oh, gosh, you can look at the first premiere of something down to the last performance of a guy's career. Yeah, the access is so easy now. Yeah. Yet. And I mean, I want to have mercy on my students, too. If, if just like you said earlier, you're, you don't want to force anyone. You can't force anyone to want to become a professional musician. It's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, if they have that fire and that drive in them, they'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's so funny to me. It's fascinating to me when I have students and um, sometimes I've, I've asked students in the past, none of my current students, of course. But some past students I've asked, so um, do you listen to any music? And they're like, or like, what music do you listen to? And they say, I don't, I don't really listen to music. And I'm like, you're playing the violin. <laughs> you're learning how to play a musical instrument. And yet you're not listening to music. It's like kind of backwards, you know? Right. And the access is so easy now. I mean, it's a great opportunity. Um, maybe it's a little easier to take for granted in some ways. It is, I, I think. So, and, but I was going to ask it, um, were we kind of forced, you know, the timing of all this is, is very, is very unique because we, we were, we come from a, um, a background, but also an era where, well, I guess I might be talking about myself. Yeah, I was, I, I guess I was forced, but I knew a lot of now colleagues but but um people who were a part of you know with my studio with with the studio i was with and others um we weren't forced but it was we were i guess managed by a stern with a stern stick right like if you you know if, if one of our teachers you know um said okay i want you to listen to you know stern's recording of this and this and and tell me exactly what he's doing and if you didn't if you come back next week the only thing you would do is have time to ring the doorbell before you go back into your mom's car that it was it was it you know there was a certain energy behind those lessons nowadays you and I've been guilty of this a couple of times where, oh, you didn't listen to it? Oh, well, that's okay. Come on in. And it's like, what am I doing? Am I that desperate for the this hour 
uh, payment that I'm about to get. And so now I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then click. You know, yeah. It's like now, because now more than ever, our time is valuable, right? And, but it also sends a message. It's not a hobby. This isn't this, I guess, I guess in some avenues it can be a hobby for those. But if you have students and they're, you know, getting better and better, they're so young, so they really don't know the direction they want to go with it. It's highly advised and um, should be, should be well advised to steer them into a good direction. Yeah. into a into a hmm maybe let me start to consider this now let me start to invest a little bit more time in this now um and that's one thing i i think that can definitely help i know this is a <laughs> the, the uh, statement I'm, I'm about to make is, is for a different conversation maybe but i think that will definitely help the arts uh, survive mm -hmm. um it's not just taking it as you know, a hobby or an elective, and that's a brand new word I've I've come to realize. A lot of people are are saying classrooms. Oh yeah, electives and hell, this ain't no elective. This is as important as learning about it. You know, an acute uh, right triangle. You know, it's 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 important. It's it's highly important uh, because without art, there's <laughs> nothing. You know, so uh, um, try your best to, you know why they say that? You know why they say that? To keep costs down. Yeah. So they won't hire people like you or me. Some, you know, oh, got our degrees up to here, got all of the training we can ever ask for, you know, and, you know, um, done things and have wealth of experience. You cost too much, so. Uh, you know, we're just going to call it this so so we won't attract you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, once you put somebody uh, that's that's highly trained in your school for once, for a year, 10 months, that's it. See what happens. Oh, oh your choir sounds like this now. Oh, oh your, your jazz A band sounds like this. Oh, oh, wow, your marching band sounds like this, huh? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I get these students to come with their bow hold like this, and they tell me, you know, they tell me um, that they've been playing violin for four years. And I would say, what school? Oh, this school. And I said, who's your teacher? Actually, don't tell me. Said, they don't <laughs> matter. They don't matter. And you know my bosses would call James. You can't say that. I'm like, why? They don't matter. If if you feel like a grown man or a grown woman teaching a young child to hold their violin bow like this, you you shouldn't matter. And then it's our jobs to fix it, which you know time goes along. This shouldn't be the standard. No. And you mean to tell me? You're getting a job. You're getting a 401k. You're getting benefits. And some of us 
can only rely on private students whose houses we go to, by the way. Right. We don't have it because we don't have a teaching certificate, you know. But yeah. That's another again. Right. Yeah. You know what? So I I mean it's interesting. I've I've definitely had very similar um issues recently. Um and or or you know, kind of uh, dealing with differences in experience and uh, and teachers, uh, uh, quality of string teaching issues. Um, and it's interesting because especially for, I mean, I want to give, um, I definitely want to give uh, public school teachers their fair shake because a lot of them are music educators who don't mm -hmm. have training and rather right. and you know, it's, it's, it is exactly what you said. It's funding, you know, it it's funding that they don't have the, the funds to hire a dedicated string teacher. They're going to hire someone who can teach band and all these different things. And they're not equipped to, to give a large classroom proper instruction. And rather than hire someone who is qualified to do that, since it's arts, it doesn't matter that much. So we're just going to give it to someone who knows a bit about music. And a lot of these teachers will be the first people to admit, hey, this is not my expertise. Um, we could really use some help here. So um, no, I think that that is a huge missed opportunity in our uh, education yeah. system regarding regarding um, music programs in schools. Yeah. So interesting yeah. to see that. Um, and but what you said earlier about being forced in a way, I thought that was interesting. I I mean, I think on one hand for both of us, I mean, I mean speaking for myself, I definitely had a lot of internal motivation. I really mm -hmm. liked, you know, I would have wanted to play the music anyway because I was that motivated. But for me, um, it was really my teacher in high school, Nina Bodnar, who she was a she's a brilliant violinist um, and very serious about lessons. So again, I mean, it was the same thing with me. If I came into lessons unprepared, I would have it uh, ready for me. <laughs> she would let, and she wouldn't, she would not be um, verbally abusive, but she would be extremely uh. blunt. She would, <laughs> she would be extremely blunt and, and she would just tell me very honestly, like you, if you want to be a violinist, you can't, you cannot put in this kind of effort. Like she's like, you, it's not, she was just very brutally honest. Right. And it was really hard for me to take as a kid. Um, and, you know, I think as a teacher, I try, I, I don't want to, um, you know, there's a lot of students who are, they're not, their goals is in life probably are, are not, oriented towards becoming a professional musician. So I don't want to have that attitude with them yeah. just because, you know, I would like them to have a good experience with it. And, um, you know, they'll still get something out of it, even if they don't become professionals, but there right. is something, you know, maybe, maybe that our harsh old school mentality of teaching is on its way out a little more in today, mm -hmm. but there is a, there is a certain aspect of the seriousness and the care with which, um, you prepare your music and you come to lessons and the, the level of high quality, the, that high, high standard that you hold yourself to, that is yeah. in a way it's inspiring. It's like when, when you study with a teacher who holds you to a really high, high standard, then you start to become 
aware of what you're capable of. You know, right. yeah. Whereas, I, you know, I definitely agree, and and I want to um, before I lose it. You said something that really struck me. <clears throat> it it is because of well, two things. It it is because of our our training that we're, you know, it's it's cultivation and it's molding. And I think I feel that passionate about it. Um, I'm not saying that you know it's more passionate this person, this person, or not, but um, uh, in terms of in terms of like the public school uh, <clears throat> situation, my teachers were 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 former former Soviets, right. and and they had a those two teachers had a very uh, loud view when it came to music uh, in schools. Mm -hmm. You know, um, especially something like piano or violin or you know string instruments and stuff. They said, you know, it's it's just a waste of time. <laughs> the best is privately. Right. Now, looking at it, I don't know if they were just trying to fund their pockets. <laughs> 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 hey, I got twenty more. Good, good. Keep it going. Keep it going. No. Um, <laughs> but I think what they meant was the investment of time. You know, yep. a little bit more detailed time. One person trying to manage 30 kids, you know, in March in Midtown Oklahoma City, and it's already 100 degrees, or, you know, storm clouds are coming and there's a tornado, and, you know, <laughs> five kids are playing violin and six of them are playing trumpet and they're in the same room. <laughs> it's, uh, okay. You know what? That's good enough for the show. <laughs> That, and and truly, it's no. Oh, oh, well, actually, you know, this is Kole. Oh, and this is Satie. Oh, and then there's no time for that. There's no time for that yeah. type of investment, right? They come from a a time and era where those schools existed. Right. Those schools, yeah. You learned everything from language to all this stuff, and then you learned everything about Vivaldi that one week at that school and everybody's bow was the same. And so it was a huge difference, but she carried that tradition in her, I'm talking about, I guess my, my, my piano teacher now, mm -hmm. she carried that tradition in her private teaching. And it started to kind of get into my, um, my, I guess into my airwaves where a student would show up unprepared and so Nellie would like have the door locked and 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 say oh don't don't talk to her just just walk around her she doesn't deserve to be talked to because her, her, her she, she's blah 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 and uh she, she would be crying <laughs> and my mom being as strong as she was had to finally say listen Nellie you're in America, this, and, and in fact, you're in you're in one of the late states. <laughs> people don't people don't really see your point. You can't just do this to kids. <laughs> you know, have them sweltering outside, <laughs> no wind. It's it's a thousand degrees. They're crying <laughs> because they didn't play your chair in the etude uh, the way you wanted it. <laughs> well, then they should quit. <laughs> okay. Just 
I'll be back in an hour to pick up James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of it. Yeah. Pontius Pilate there. <laughs> um, I but I, yeah. <laughs> but that was the culture that I was a part of in the 90s, I think. And I think Nellie also understood. Um, I think she saw the student's interest and measured them saying, hmm, you're bringing in this much effort. Here's what I can offer more. And here's what I'm willing, here's what I'm, um, here's what, here's what I don't, you know, I don't want to give you too much. I only want to give you enough so that then you can kind of tell me if you want to go on. Mm-hmm. Right. That was kind of her 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 uh, approach to it. So the more effort you showed, the more intense the lessons would be. Mm-hmm. You know, the more real intense the lessons would be, and um, and I think it, it definitely played a big part of of teaching nowadays, um, where I do have to kind of watch my watch my tone and watch my how I give to students, like, you know, what I, did I actually mean to say that? <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've been in front of a youth orchestra, not even the one I'm conducting, but, but uh, it, was a, it was a guest thing and, um, and uh, I was working with a second violin. It's always a second, but we were doing something. <laughs> oh, no, no. And it was a whole summer thing. So, you know, do it again, do it again, do it again. If you, well, if, you, if you continue to play like that, you should quit and play clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> My percussionist <laughs> cracked up because he, he understood. That's why he was a tippinist. <laughs> but, but it was not, I, I have a lot of clarinet friends, you know, so sorry. <laughs> and my mom was a former clarinetist. Uh, I have I an think uncle. I clarinet here. <laughs> Hell, I played clarinet in college. Um, got a B, and uh, my reed soaked in water was able to grow another form of algae. New oh, <laughs> for it's ancient aliens in that water. <laughs> it was <laughs> silent green. Some excellent reed. Real stuff here. Spores, dude. I tell you, I was like, nobody told me how long you're supposed to keep it in there. Man, that's how but, uh, <laughs> that's how I quit saxophone. To be honest, the the reeds freaked me out. They're like, oh yeah, it's fine. Put the reed in this thing after you after you play. And it's like, you know how wet that thing is. That's disgusting. <laughs> and like, oh, it's fine. Just leave it in there. It's like, uh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a yellow pill bottle filled with water? Oh, <laughs> uh, that was mine. I just man, <laughs> but um, I you know that that type of phrasing was was I understood it back then because as a private student, as a kid, I didn't want to be a clarinetist. I didn't want to be something else. So Nelly would say that to me. Or, you know, or, or my violin teacher would say that to him. Oh, well, James, you know, you keep playing like that. You should, uh, you should, you should do this. Now, uh, I, I don't want to say that. 
Mm-hmm. You know? um, and so going back to it, yeah, we have learned from our, our, uh, I guess, private lesson past. And, and, you know, I think, I think in college, that's where we kind of cultivate our teaching experience, our, our teaching future, because, um, some of the best lessons, I'm not to my own horn, but some of the best lessons I've ever given, I've had people like Bettina in mind, people like Way, people like, uh, you know, my, my undergrad professors, Robert McDuffie and, um, Peter Wand, I don't keep naming, but I've had them in my head while I'm teaching uh, long, long ago. <laughs> Not Mendelssohn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, how did you like that? I, I, I think you actually found it. I, I think you found <laughs> Mary's lamb. I, really, I, I think you found it. Last week it, it was lost. It was. Whew, you, you, Mary had a dog or something. <laughs> and then my girlfriend was like, dude, you cannot be 30 something years old and not realize Mary had a little lamb. It's not about a girl named Mary with a fucking lamb. And I'm thinking, oh crap. Oh my God. Lord, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that song was about you. Really? Wait a second, dude! I know you're not kidding me. <laughs> no, no, no! I am not. I've never <laughs> thought of that. Mary had a and little my, lamb. My thirtieth birthday is coming next month. Oh my god! Mary had a lamb. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> thank you, James. And thank you, Melissa. Shout out. <laughs> that's what i think i i mean i think there's multiple multiple uh meanings to that song um like <laughs> like my uncle once told me that silent night was really about because uh <laughs> they were in a drought season so <laughs> there was no wind <laughs> i'm like okay well that explains the silent part but not the <laughs> There's a lot of other context here. <laughs> all is calm, all is bright. Yeah, that's that's the uh, fire fire danger. <laughs> hey, no, uh, no, no, no cancer rain in that sky. No siree. How could it? They saw a star, so you know it's not raining. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue against you. I, I really can't. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> people on the, i'm walking do you know jesus you know what that's a funny question i i know versions of him by way of my family and suzuki books <laughs> and their possible meanings <laughs> so yes <laughs> i don't know if that's the answer you were looking for <laughs> dude i what's that Song and book two chorus of uh, oh Hunter's chorus, no 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 um, Judas uh, Judas Maccabeus, man, dude I thought I was a kid thinking <laughs> Judas like the traitor New Testament 
<laughs> you just had had a theme. <laughs> Wait, this is <laughs> like should, shouldn't the Gavatin G minor be his theme since it's minor? <laughs> Mom. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh God. Oh, Why are we my. playing a song about the traitor? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Dr. Suzuki. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> I think these pieces will. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's Man, make my name prosperous. The secret anyway. Suzuki agenda. <laughs> look into it. Yeah. But, uh, but um, yeah, Joe, no, go. I want to. Um, yeah, I mean, we've that been. Was a good, that was a good. I know, I know we kind of went off on it but um yeah man um i mean we we can uh, i also don't want to keep you too long um but since we since we have been talking about um kind of our upbringings and i i don't know that's that's a really interesting topic it's like how because in today's society it's very un cool and maybe it should be uncool to be like a dictator in uh, yeah either as a conductor or as a teacher to be like extremely harsh and regimented right um but that's not manufactured i don't think i don't think it's 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 you choose to be yeah hard i think it it comes from the energy that you're trying to establish or 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 replicate, you know, um, it's a funny thing in conducting. There is, there's, you know, particularly mannerisms that that you do have to. You have to find some somewhere in your soul to do it. You you have to like for the opening of Beethoven Five. You can't just. And if you can, and if you're in front of Philadelphia, sure, because they played it. They played it, you know, longer than the, uh, you know, damn country's been here. So, you know, pretty much. But there's a certain energy that goes into it, and there's a certain not smiling energy, and there's a certain body mannerism, and certain eye drop, and I. So all those things, I you know, I I, I often get, um, especially with you know high school age like oh wow he he sounded mean and sometimes on the podium i'm like listen i i'm not i'm gonna say this once because i'm only gonna be here for five weeks i'm not mean i i i don't mean to yell at you don't take it personal this is just being professional i want you to feel my energy you know where some people just have a hard time i mean you know of taking it personal oh god they yelled at me no i'm i'm inspiring you to uh to to produce x right or you know you know whatever or, or to think this or have this you know in the back of your head while you're playing it, this in a weird way it's attached to how like when whatever it is whatever it is that we experienced as young people listening to music, whether it was listening to Itzhak Perlman or 
mm-hmm. or whoever it was, there's a there was a level of inspiration. There's a level of of like sort of yeah, a level of inspiration and music participating musically in something higher, right? That mm-hmm. lifts you and makes you want to be a musician, right? That truly uh, galvanizes you into action. There's something related in that level of of um, that level of elevation or whatever you want to call it that is called for when you're conducting it, when you're teaching, that where it's almost if if you have a certain experience, a deep emotional experience with Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, mm-hmm. someone is playing Mendelssohn and you're there in the capacity as a teacher, but they they haven't yet felt it in the way that you have. They haven't experienced right. maybe the emotive force behind it. Right. And there's a certain there's a certain way of expressing that that you can't just be like, oh, it's it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's the music isn't casual. The music mm-hmm. isn't um, every day. So, in a in a way, the way you teach it or the way you conduct it, it it has to have a certain urgency and a certain gravity to it. And I think that's that is in its right place. Probably a lot of where that old school mentality comes from, where if you show up to play great music it's like respecting yourself and respecting your colleagues to take it with that level of, of gravity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in fact, I think I want to add to that, um, uh, Agnes or, or, or Adagio to strings, four strings, Barber, you know, it's when we play it now, um, maybe three quarters of musicians are thinking about Kennedy's funeral thinking about a funeral that we don't even know about because we weren't there and we weren't born about it, but we know about it. And we know that it was played there. And also we know that day in history was a very gray day. But in order to bring it to the present time and to the element of now, we have a sense, we know what goes on we know the sorrow and pain that goes on at a funeral, at a death, at you know a wake, at a at a at a memorial of some sort. So when we play that piece, that first B flat entrance, you know, it's a, it is like you said a sense of gravity, where we we now together we manufacture this. Okay, how can we really? Uh, even if you're conducting it, you just, there's there's a reason why you don't. It's not, not wide. It's yeah. more 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 controlled, and and why is that? Because we're symbolizing this intimate, this uh, um, what do you call this? Shivering, this uh, comforted. I need to be comforted. Yeah. And everybody needs to be comforted. Consoling. Consoling. There we go. It's, you know, we, so that's what we're trying to um, emulate. That's what we're trying to kind of bring out. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that it was the reason why we 
listen to old recordings and the golden age of recordings because for for a lot of the music they were the first ones to ever put it on a record and for a lot of them i think about like uh you know just the lineage of of well going back to the first couple minutes of this podcast hyphens you know, the, the, his trademark concerto is Tchaikovsky. Who is his teacher? Leopold Auer. Who did Leopold Auer hang out with on a daily yeah. basis? Pete. Who, who did Pete write it for? And then get rejected by? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, it's that, oh, yeah, hey, you know, Pete, I think that's good. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Nice knowing you. <laughs> Absent. And then a couple of years later, who's this kid on my roster? Jasha. What type of name is that? Hmm. Oh, I'm a teacher. Hey, you know what's funny thing about this phrase? So you have a bridged connection. So I'm not saying that it's more accurate than others. I'm definitely not saying that. But in a lot of ways, some of those old recordings, um, were were bridged connections other recordings were more um they knew what they were doing that's why that's why they experimented um, right. it, it was you know uh like singing like caruso there's this caruso and then something different <laughs> that oh that liney <laughs> type of uh and then there's when it comes to conductor, there's there's conducting. There's a sim there's a sense of we're not gonna hold on to anything too long. Well, you know, what was going on in society? What was going on, you know, as things weren't too cheeky back then. They couldn't be too cheeky, you know. Um, but I think it does all come back to just the energy and what we If we have the energy, it will explain the why. The why do we do this? If you don't, it's just going to be another piece. It's just going to be another, yeah. you know, if, if you have energy, and it, 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 what's right energy? There's multiple ways of, of doing it. I remember when, it, you know, you and I would do uh, oh, Strauss, Jesus. Um, there were times, uh, hours like late, like right before Corday would. Hey, you guys do <laughs> shout out Corday. <laughs> um, there were times where you and I just did not see eye to eye. I was like, Joe, man, this you're going to you're going too fast on this. Thing. Well, hmm, it's okay. Well, I'm like, no, <laughs> wait for it. And then you would ask me why, and then I was like, okay, why? And then it was, that's, little did we know, we were making the music just more evolved because we had uh, a sense of energy. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't, one person wasn't right or wrong. It was, it was just the creation of energy into it. That's interesting because I mean I was right, but <laughs> that's the uh, hardest part. <laughs> no. 
Thomas. You, def you definitely had the hardest <laughs> part. I, uh, whether you you were right. <laughs> yeah. Strauss Sonata is murder for the pianist. I mean, it's pretty murderous for both, but pretty. Murderous. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> but sorry, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but I think that sheds light a little bit on what we're talking about with, like, how, you know, how do I, how do we think about um, that seriousness? Let's let's not call it harshness. Let's call it mm -hmm. seriousness of our upbringing. We we have these highly developed ideas about how it should go right mm -hmm. because we had teachers and you and i can point to our lineage in just the same way you're, you're talking about high fits um we can point to either of our teachers lineage and through bettina too how mm -hmm. she had this direct experience through galamian and through dorothy delay um back to the great masters you know and back to the people who did have relationships with these composers in the first place. Zavin Malikian, whose teacher oh, hung out with the Debussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 amazing um how short those threads are in some ways, mm -hmm. like that connect us directly to the composers and where that sense of love and that sense of care and seriousness that goes into the music is part of the main thing that it's our job to pass on. Aside from the technical part, which is really important, um, I think I want to think about that more when I teach because I think it, it can be easy to um, lay back and kind of just focus on the technical. It's very, it's like concrete. It's like, oh, just here's your bow grip. Oh, how about your intonation? Check it with the open strings, whatever. There's there's all this sort of advice that's easy to give. But then right. where is that? In, are you passing on not just the advice, but also that? sense that emotional understanding of where the music is coming from I yeah key. yeah i i had a kid yesterday he was doing this little etude and i was like okay hey, play everything again a little bit faster triple p and he and i said and i i just want to see how you're going to practice it and so he i'm like okay so what did I do? I did this number. <laughs> like, this kid, this kid. And then I'm like, okay, I'll break it down to you once. I said, you're doing this. Do you hear yourself going softer? Yeah. I said, okay, that's, that's check one. Do you hear a note that's sticking out? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, okay, good. And I said, do all the notes repeat themselves like going up and then coming back down and oh uh, oh yeah and i and so you know it, like after 12 little things i'm just kind of picking out i have him do it again just by knowing it just by hearing hearing the things not fixing it just hearing it yeah yeah now the phrase nice it's like okay let's talk we'll do something else and then before the end of the lesson i had him do it again lost I, everything was gone i'm like <laughs> i see but but that's the key he that's got it too he, he got it for that moment it's there he so got it for right and so it's the it's 
it's now your turn to have it in your ear to ask yourself, is this what I'm aiming for? You know, is this what I'm doing? Or hmm, this is this is bad, so let me take it out or let me dissect this, let me analyze this. And a part of that has to just do with age. Yeah. You know, this kid is 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 very advanced, but very young. And those are two bridges, you know, you want to cross at a at a nice delicate time because you you know they'll they'll perform the the Wallstein and it'll be sloppy and and you don't want to make something like that kiddish you know you want to have some type of maturity about it so like you said it's it's the it's training the student not training the student inspiring the student to have that sense of why that you know that sense of what do i need to do while joe is away for six days you know what can i do to elevate my practice a little bit more and just that example that you used with your student you helped him to observe what he was already hearing it's like a mm -hmm. lot of teaching is like oh it, you did something bad so it's <laughs> right or like if if you he's playing if but you're not it's like you're you're hearing but you're not listening mm -hmm. right? it's like what we're doing as teachers is helping the student uncover their own listening ability because right. it's something they're already physically doing but it's just right. like it's like if they're playing right yeah like accenting a note totally randomly and they're totally just not aware of it it's just because they haven't they haven't made that next connection. They think it's even. They yeah. they really think it's even on the spectrum. It's like, you know, this is the first note, but they don't realize that the big little knuckle and just the rate that you're pressing it down, that's it. Yeah. You know, and but it's it's all of that stuff combined because you don't want to just tell the student, hey, it's this. And then, you know, it'll be something different. So you do sometimes have to go through all these little steps and mm -hmm. where are you looking at and stuff. So, yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned the pandemic. That's one of the things um, that I've, I think, gained for myself is, is the opportunity to have not just patience with students, but um, the opportunity to actually analyze and investigate my own teaching practices mm -hmm. offering up more ways different ways just you know um foreign ways to fix a problem mm -hmm. because we get to a, a certain point i have you know several students in the past and now I've, I've, you know they're doing the uh um, the Alamande uh, partita number two, mm -hmm. and after a while you teach it the same way. Listen to yeah. the same recording, double note, da da. Uh -huh. What is it? Okay, it's a dance and ball. And it's like, why? Why am I teaching this? I don't even think about it this way when I play it. Right. So why am I following the mold? You know, oh, middle of the bow, bum 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 bum. Ha, 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 ha. 
why have something new to it so yeah. i think it's given me the uh, not the pandemic itself <laughs> just the use of zoom you know these right. mobile lessons like we have now um where i actually start to read articles or 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 <clears throat> read listen to uh, master classes online a little bit differently or start to actually write down on my notepad okay if my student does this choose one of these 10 options for him or her to do oh, and see what happens interesting and uh, it's I'm, I'm not just playing with their soul like well <laughs> if you fail you fail no <laughs> But it's like, I, I know that one of these are going to work and one of these might impact the other one better and, and so on and so on. So why not, why not try it? We're in an unconventional, uh, you know, time right now. Our playing, our teaching shouldn't still be conventional. Mm. It, 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 I mean, there's some points where, yes, you do have to, Kind of go against the mold a little bit you can't teach like i can't teach like all of my teachers taught you know i can't and 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 i can't teach like their teachers taught mm -hmm. yeah i would want to but i won't get the same results because those students aren't the same yeah you know um i was talking to my mom well every night but particularly last night and she's i've been saying she's you know retiring this year this year since 2013 so i'll say it again she's retiring from teaching this year <laughs> i don't think she'll retire <laughs> but she's wondering you know she's like i, I have no idea what the state oklahoma uh, is going to do when it comes to opening up the schools because she said hell i'm not about to go in there trap with 25 kids breathing on me and have me dead Secondly, I'm not about to stare at this computer screen for seven hours out of the day. I'm like, well, mom, but you still, but you still want to teach. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> I said, so it's going to be one of those options. <laughs> or, or I, but, I, but I did say this. I said, um, be optimistic because there might be a third option that we don't even know about. Hmm. And she was like trying to think like, what could it be? But I said, yeah. mom we don't this is a brand new thing that we're yeah. all going through brand new yeah you know if my grandpa were alive there was some type of like flu outbreak some parts of you know back then yeah. but it, it probably wasn't i'm not an expert so i'm not going to say it wasn't as worse as this or not but sure. he would probably you would have to be 90 and up to oh yeah i'm used to it and you know we're not used to it nope not not this society wearing masks staying six feet apart you know in the checkout line and and uh um you know only five people in to pick up your food or or you know no mask no service i remember oklahoma and during the summers it used to be no shirt no shoes no service mm -hmm. <laughs> You need to walk in sweating. Yeah, you need 25 or pump six. <laughs> now it's give me 24. <sighs> give me 25 or pump six. 
That's how or I yeah. people walking around with their mask like this with their noses out. <laughs> Dude, I fight. That's why I had to buy another pair of glasses. I fight with my mask because it oh, somehow man. Gets glasses. Tangled, and I'm like, <laughs> can I get it? <laughs> oh. You know what? I don't even want gas anymore. I'm just forget. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with this. I'm not going anymore. I don't want gas. Screw it. I'll leave my car here. <laughs> my glasses have never fallen off my face so many times in one. <laughs> Is and they I'm... fogged up. Oh my gosh. Did you get the fogging? Yes. This, it's like the worst. Because I will be in Walmart. <sighs> Excuse me. Can you uh <laughs> <laughs> can you show me where the uh, eggs are? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, uh... <laughs> but anyway, getting back to the point, we're in an unconventional time. This could be our thing that could garner more interest into the arts should we still be old-fashioned with it mm. could we be new to it what's there to lose yeah you know i've used this screen this share screen button so many times and had my imslp score oh nice on here and like have a pen okay nope nope not, uh, uh, look i'm circling this note you still missed it oh <laughs> it's you know wild or I'm now submitting or, you know, in, in the middle of the lesson, we'll watch a YouTube clip, you know, or, or we'll do something mm -hmm. interactive. Yeah. You know, I made a, I, it's now all over YouTube, not me, but I'm definitely late to it. But I made this like four part <laughs> series is like five minutes uh, clips to my students. Uh, hi. Are you still struggling with your bow sound? Try Cole. And then the video and then the camera zoomed here. Cole. Are these are on YouTube technique. right now? They're not on YouTube. Uh -uh. They are private uh -uh. Google Drive because I look like a Midwesterner doing a car commercial. And my eyes are Cole. It helps <laughs> you. <laughs> I always start with a pencil. Does your pinky look like this? <laughs> look at my thumb. First, <laughs> I would just just retrace my steps all the time. Actually, the first thing you should do is to make sure your ball hold is correct. Actually, that's the second thing to do. The first thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a bow? Yeah. <laughs> if not, use this, a pencil. <laughs> now, I know I've been in a car with my mom or even on BART doing like this. I even brush my teeth. <laughs> I do that. I still do that. I, I, me too, man. It's like, dude, if we have a bow holding competition, I think we would win. <laughs> but anyway i mean those are just you know it's just i guess for me personally i'm discovering newer ways to teach to manage my students to uh to to overcome boredom not just on my part but on their part because i know they get bored yeah they get bored and i'm brutally honest with them and i always if you remember my quote I say, I always say classical music is an inch and a half away of being seen. Mm -hmm. 
because you probably don't remember my quote, okay? But um, <laughs> because it's boring. It's boring because we don't do anything with it. What do we do? We do the same old stuff. Yeah. We do the same stuff. And it's like, uh, all right, you guys keep doing your little NEA arch crap and your donation. You know, gosh, I mean, anyway, that's a, for another day, but it's, it's just, we could be doing so much more. And now we have the opportunity. Amen. Students have the opportunity now. You know, we could, yeah. we could do. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, because we we think about the uh, these these old these old classic guys mm -hmm. we love Yasha Heifetz, all these guys. In a way, it's like that. I mean, you look back at that; it's no nonsense. <coughs> you, you sit down, you play a recital, great playing. There's nothing boring about that. In a way, because right. it's a artifact of history from where it was. It was honest exactly. to what it was. Yeah. But if we sit down and we, we're like, okay, 2020 now. Gee, mm -hmm. we're in 2020. Okay, time for a music recital. Go out. It looks the same. You play the same. There has to be something different. We have to do something. Yeah, yeah. And look back then, as you mentioned, the artifact of history, look back then, how much, how many genres, different genres did we have going on? Not that many. Yeah. You know, we didn't have this person over here doing this stuff and this group over here, this genre over here. It was, it was, it was a couple of things. Now we have so many genres. I mean, there's like spoken word, furniture, wood, <laughs> music that's Favorite. garnering popularity. Surely we can do Beethoven to impact the masses. But what type of masses do we want to impact? And that's for another day. Indeed it is. <laughs> yeah, what type of people do you want to listen to Beethoven? Mm. You don't want everybody to listen to Beethoven. That's too much power. <laughs> yeah, that's really is too much power. Um, Yeah, that's a that's a good, it's a good uh, cliffhanger. It is. It <laughs> Let's uh, stay tuned <laughs> for the next episode. Um, but man, thank you so much for coming on. This was a this was a great. It was fun, Joe. I'm very sorry uh, that it, that the time was is what it is. <laughs> man, thanks for talking this long. I know we went. This is a nice little marathon here. Thank you for uh, being a. Bit, I a bit. I hope this works. I have a feeling that you're gonna call and email. So um, I finished editing, and and James. Um, I, so <laughs> our our conversation is. I'm actually gonna save it for a brand new <laughs> interactive thing. <laughs> yeah, we're. <laughs> It's like, okay, we're gonna, it's gonna fail. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna pin this one for now. We're gonna put a pin in it. And, uh, we're gonna revisit it. Um, oh, and they never do. Yeah, no. They never do. I watched Chris Cuomo. Yeah, hey, hey, my friend, you know what? Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, hey, you're always welcome here. We're gonna get you back <laughs> seven months later.
<laughs> you haven't gotten them back. <laughs> this guy's living in New Zealand now. You haven't gotten them back. Guys, never come back. But the, the thought was nice. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice. No, for real, we'll have to keep, we'll have to do a round two, man. This is awesome. Thank you for making yeah. it available. I, I appreciate it. We should, um, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me know. But it was fun. It was fun. I, in fact, you gave me, I've been writing some notes and you gave me a lot of uh, insights and things to linger on. Likewise, man. Thinking Likewise. about uh, teaching and the past and uh, stuff like that. So Awesome, man. Yeah. No, got to, uh, got to meet up, got to play again after the pandemic's over. It's been too long, man. I know. I, I, I've, um, my house is sealed. I'm, I'm not going to, the, I'm too old to go to the hospital. I'm listening. If you're watching this, listen to the news. Listen to your. Yeah. You want to practice. You want to play well, right? Yeah. Listen to your teacher. You want to get healthier. Listen to the doctors. There we go. Listen to the doctors. If you, you just stay at home. Thank you for your PSA. Don't worry about. Uh, I just want to have fun. Yeah, fun in that casket, you know. No, you should have said it. No, always a pleasure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, up next, <laughs> Dr. Fauci. Is... Yeah. Say, man. <laughs> man I, I think we chose the wrong uh, work. <laughs> hey, it's never too late. Never. We can always make a switch, dude. <laughs> it's too late it's too late I, I, I'm, not, I'm not learning anything else i'm not definitely not going back to school who, who am i kidding who am i kidding <laughs> yeah all right joe Done. all right uh, see you later man um be well uh you know stay safe stay strong and um yeah thanks you too be in touch all right all right Bye.